Let's pray now as we uh, bow our hearts in uh, preparation for uh, the message that we're going to hear today. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us all here today, and thank you for the message that you've laid on the heart of Adam to, uh, to bring to us today. Lord, just pray that your majesty will be revealed, that the message of salvation that's culminating in Revelation will be uh, evident to us, and that we'll be able to, uh, to just see the, the, the awesomeness of your glory uh, through what we're going to learn here today, Lord. Lord, pray that you'll take away any distractions, any, uh, anything that might keep our minds off of you and only you today, Lord. In your name we pray. Lamb opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Pastor Dan made it less than three seconds in the awkward silence. Silence when there is an expectation for talking, right? I mean, after the prayer of preparation each time, I then come up and I immediately begin speaking, which is what we're expecting each and every time. When there is an awkward silence, when there's an expectation for speaking or more attendant noise, it creates <coughs> a sense of anxiety about the moment. A sense of curiosity, perhaps, for the rest of you, as I then came up here and proceeded to be quiet and stand. In the mind of the listener, when there's a break in what is to be expectant, otherwise you've been led down this pathway, and then an absolute change, turnabout, silence, there is a holy attention-getter to that. There were probably a few different thoughts. I couldn't last as long as I would have liked. Yet in the silence, perhaps some of you were experiencing a bit of embarrassment. This is weird. This is embarrassing. I think he forgot. It's his turn. Nervousness, perhaps I was having myself a nervous breakdown that created then a nervousness within you and an overall awkwardness for the moment. It's your turn. He's prayed. Go. But all of us, regardless of the emotion, if it were an embarrassment or a nervousness or an awkwardness, all of us in here, if you were able to be drawn into that moment, we were expectant together, each of us. Wanting to hear something. What is going to break the awkward silence? Will he begin crying? Break down? Is he just going to leave? Or are we just going to begin eating? We all had an expectation for something to break the silence. Consider what prepped us for that moment. The noise of our worship. We came in noisily. We came in fellowshipping, talking, sharing. Singing, giving, announcing, and then talking. Wait, no, wait, abrupt silence. There was a break in the expectation, a break in the chain of event that moves you to an awareness, an attentiveness. Consider also the text of Revelation that we've been following to this point. The noise of heavenly worship began in chapter 4. 
And it continued all the way from four to five to six and to seven. Consider the heavenly worship. The four living creatures that we have worked upon to this point. This is their role in the worship. They, quote, never cease saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They never cease. You as the listener, you the worldly listener are hearing and saying, I expect more talking. Heavenly worship to just continue because they're never going to cease. Yet John also is caught up in this vision for he too, gazing upon the heavenly worship that we have since chapter 4, he has witnessed likewise the 24 elders who, quote, constantly confess glory, honor, and power be unto your name. Then we were shown the redeemed as John gazed upon the redeemed, ransomed by the Lamb's blood of life, and they are singing a new song of praise unto the Lamb. How often? How often will you be singing? Day and night. So the heavenly worship, just like our worship this morning, morning, is a constant moving of noise. Yet there is, in this moment, silence in all of heaven. What is the function of silence? Is John telling us that before the end of the world, there will be 30 minutes of silence that we will all look upon our watch and wait. 30 minutes now from the last moment will be the end of the world? Or is it serving us, the reader, like it served each one of us in the illustration? A holy hush that will fall. And the way that it has instructed us is to await the movement of the Lamb. We sit in this holy hush, awaiting eagerly what is next. What will the Lamb do? For in this moment, as we were eagerly waiting for something to break the silence, the complete universe beyond this local church, the complete universe, sits in an eager expectation for the Lamb's next movement. But if you were to continue in your reading of chapter 8, as you have read since chapter 1, you realize by putting it together, there are only two rightful expectations for all the universe. It's not this way, and this way, and this way, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, that the Lamb will do next. Building across the text of Scripture, we realize there are really only two rightful expectations for the Lamb's next move. I hope to speak to each and one of you this morning. For the text of Scripture has always been developing this way since the beginning of Genesis, where there is the development of the godly seed through Seth. And yet you watch the godly seed as it develops all the way across Holy Scripture. And there are those who are rightfully responsive to the Lord of heaven and earth and those who are not, who follow the pathway of godlessness and idolatry. So there are not in this 21st century church myriads of options that ultimately will kind of get us to the same place. So too, when the Lamb is roused at the breaking of the seventh seal, there is only as has always been, two responses.
first one, as you can imagine, I would like to look first, is the first rightful expectation of the response is that of divine judgment. This is with the enemies of the Lord. As they sit in holy silence before Him, the enemies of the Lord, those on the wrongful side of the law, I can hear myself shouting, I think I'm too loud. Maybe not. They're on the wrongful side of the law. Throughout the Old Testament Scripture, silence is portrayed as creation's rightful response to the Lord's impending arrival for judgment. So here, as he says, there was silence before the Lamb. This, too, is consistent with all flesh as they await the impending arrival for judgment. Zechariah 2.13 says this of this day, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for He is roused from His holy habitation. Zechariah 2.13. John undoubtedly knew this. As he gazes upon the seventh seal, and at its breaking there is silence. Zephaniah 1.7, speaking of the great day of the Lord, says, Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. Again, there are not multiple options at the day of the Lord. There isn't some who take this pathway and some who take this pathway and some who take this pathway. There is divine judgment and divine vindication. All related to one's connection to the Lamb. He alone is worthy to execute this judgment. And as one relates to the Lamb, so goes their reception of the Lord's response. They are either, like we saw in chapter 7, clothed in His blood-washed linens. And so their expectation for the Lord's breaking of silence is divine vindication. Or they are not so clothed in His righteous robes. So they are awaiting divine judgment. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. For he is roused from Zion. So the entire universe is silenced. One theologian writes it this way, The divine judgment anticipated in this moment has such an awesome effect that no human being is able to verbalize a response. Meditating upon this this week, I had what you could call a foreshadowing event of this divine judgment once in my life. That which was a type of that which is to come. I experienced in my life when I was 16 years old. I had gotten involved in what was the beginning of a high school prank. Poor choice on my part, as is most high school pranks. 
I proceeded with a group of individuals to do something that was not right, as goes with bad choices and escalation, inevitably, of things that begin to ravel out of control quicker than you're able to rein them in, and uh, you find yourself in the wrong situation doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so it went with me, and by the time the police had got me and taken me down to the precinct, as I was there, sitting across this interview table with this officer, the phone rang, right? It's just like kind of law and order, sitting here, this table, this man, and one telephone. And the phone rang. Somehow, have you ever had that premonition of feeling you know who that is that's calling, even though this person doesn't even know that I'm here, as far as I know? But I know who's calling, this man in this room at this moment. It's my father. Phone rings, and certainly he picks up the telephone, and he says, affirms, yeah, I've got him. He's sitting right here across from me. You can come get him when we're done. My holy hush began to settle in upon my soul. I was expectant before the Lord, as it were, for the divine judgment. So I waited through my process, and yet my 30 minutes began then. The Lamb had opened the seventh seal, and I had 30 minutes of experiencing this silent as I await my divine judgment. Silence, you've experienced these moments where now my escalation of silence draws near. I'm in front. Here's the secretary of the office precinct, and in walks my father. In that moment, the escalation of my 30 minutes. Be silent, all flesh, for the day of the Lord is now near. Father walking in, not looking at me at all, passing right by me and going down the hallway. A sign of things to come. And through this silence, my soul was feeling worse. Just speak! Be silent. For when he does speak, you wish he had not. So with the divine judgment, holy hush upon the universe, for count him, according to John, at least in John's anxious experience, it took 30 minutes to forecast this time. Just speak silence before the Lord. What is to come cannot be verbalized. So too, my father then came out of the time with the officers there and their explanation of what I had done that evening. And we got in the car. He didn't even ask me to come with him, right? Passed by me just as he had coming in. I went with him, got in the car, I began to drive home. My dad, as the Lord, had been roused from his bed in the middle of the night to come and get me. And so in the drive home, be silent all flesh before the Lord. But I too was eager, just speak. I said to my father, Dad, I just want to be quiet. 
you don't want me to speak to you. So too with this picture of escalating judgment, I know, as those likewise will know, the justness of the hour approaching me, so too all flesh will know the justice that is being poured out. Yet eager, speak from heaven. Be silent, for you know not what you ask, as it were. There's only two rightful responses following a divine silence before the Lord and the opening of the seventh seal. Divine judgment poured out or divine vindication. I urge each of you as we proceed, eagerly await as we sang this morning, the coming of the Lord on that day. And be eager to receive Him. Because today you prepared a way for the Lord. You have repented of your sin. Looked away, as we saw in Revelation 7, from self and unto the Lamb with the vessel of faith. And so experience blood-washed linens laid to your account. Experience the great multitude of Revelation 7 sealed by the Lord for that great day. He comes roused. Will it be for judgment to your account? And wrath. Will it be for vindication and deliverance as one of his own? So as I have said, the second expectation during this time to proceed or to break the silence is an expectation of divine vindication. It is, who is it that will be vindicated on that day? It is the saints of the Lord. Those now not on the wrongful side of the law. Those who have not spurned the words of Christ. They have received them. They stand on the right side in right relation to The law, the Lord, His Word, His person, they are donning His white robes. This is what we have seen since chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. If you look with me just one page over, verse 9, when He opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, and, and as you're studying through the book of Revelation, you, it's, it's important to begin marking the altar, the role of the altar. Here in 9, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. They're there. It's, they're, they were faithful to the Word of God. And they bore witness for the Lamb. This is who they are. And they're under the altar of sacrifice. And they cried out with a loud voice, O oh, Sovereign Lord, Holy, just, true, how long before you will judge and avenge? How long do you avenge our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? Again, 
as they speak of God's truthfulness. Then he begins to prepare for them. He says to them in verse 11, they were each given a white robe to rest a little longer until their number, till the fellow servants of their brothers should be complete. They will be killed as you yourselves have been killed. And then in verse 12, he gives them this glimpse of what is to come in the inbreaking of the sixth seal. Just wait a little longer. Will you avenge? Yes, and this is how. This is what it will look like. I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. Full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell upon the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Look at this picture of cosmic calamity. The sky vanished like a scroll that had been rolled up. Every mountain and island, it was removed from its place. The kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich, the powerful, everyone, slave and free, their response, hide yourself. Calling even as to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand in this great and terrible day? This then is picked up in our text this morning with chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lamb opened the seventh seal. There was silence, a holy hush upon the universe for about half an hour. Then I saw seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of that angel. Then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar and he threw it upon the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. What we have just read taking chapter 6 and the great day of the Lord's wrath and then reading chapter 8 as we have skipped chapter 7 there in the reading because we've looked at chapter 7 of the sealed servants of our God. So really as we're looking, chapter 6 then concludes there who can stand with the end of the sixth seal and chapter 8 begins to pick up right where chapter 6 left off. The great final calamity that falls upon the earth pictured in the sixth seal is continued or brought to completion in the picture of final judgment with the seventh seal. First portion we want to look at in our text this morning is the seven angels with the seven trumpets. Who are they and what is taking place in this day of wrath and vindication? 
You see there in verse 2, Then I saw the seven angels who were standing before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. These angels, as has been consistent with the book all the way across this point, they are servants of God who stand poised in this moment to implement the great woes of God upon the earth. They stand poised and ready to do the bidding of the Lamb to implement His decrees for the unjust and to vindicate His own. They stand poised and ready Just give the sign. But as is the grace of the Lord, that just as we saw with the riders who were unable to ride upon the earth and afflict the earth with trauma and distress and tribulation, before they could do so, there was a work of God among His people. Do you recall chapter 7? This is the great work of God among His people. He is sealing them for these great calamities. He is preparing them to overcome even by suffering in them. So before the riders can go, wait, wait, wait. You cannot go until the servants of our God are sealed. So too in this moment there is a work of God among His own. Before the angels in our text this morning can blow the final trumpets, there is a gracious work of God among His people. So we have them in this, this, this apocalyptic picture. Lamb opening the final seal of judgment and the angels who are His servants coming, roused, poised to implement. Yet He holds them back. For another gracious work in his people notice this work of God through the efforts of yet verse 3 another angel who then appears before the trumpets are blown and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer so now you have them the seven are standing poised and ready yet another arrives He came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Here this activity that is pictured of another angel coming in before the great day of wrath is poured out. This angel who comes and approaches the heavenly altar That same altar we have witnessed in chapter 6, verse 9, where the saints are underneath, crying out, How long, O Lord? So to hear the prayers of those upon the earth are meeting the prayers of those in heaven under the altar. And the angel comes to the altar where where the martyrs lie beneath. And now he adds to this altar of sacrifice the prayers of the persecuted church who are living upon the earth. They stand poised, prepared, ready to break the silence with judgment and vindication. But before they blow, 
another angel taking the prayers of the saints and offering them upon the altar to combine with the testimony of the martyrs. Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2 is kind of our foreshadow for this. David says this in Psalm 141. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. The way that the Lord is pictured in hearing the prayers of His saints is exactly what we see right here in Revelation 8. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands to you as the evening sacrifice. He speaks as one when one blows and breaks up the earth so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Hear the cries of the saints. Let my prayers rise up as incense before you. Leave me not, O Lord, defenseless. Keep me from the trap they have laid for me. Keep me from the snares of the evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So the prayers of the saints offered to God by the work of of the angel combining the prayers for vengeance and freedom from the martyrs combined by those experiencing still yet this war upon the earth they are combined at the point of the altar to be offered to God as incense before him notice then the reception of their prayers the reception of your prayers before the Lord. Look in verse 4. When they were offered, you see where the altar is? It's before the throne. When the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And we'll get to the activity or the response. But notice in that the word of reception. Having heard the pleas of the martyrs. Already under the altar who now today rest safely in his presence. Under his reign. Under his authority. Having heard the pleas in chapter 6 of the martyrs crying out. When, O Lord, will you avenge? For we testified of your greatness, yet we suffered. When will you avenge? Like incense rising before him, as David prays, let my prayer be before you as incense. God, in this moment in our text, hears the appeals of his people who remain upon the war-torn earth of tribulation. 
there's a word here of the power of prayer and the work of prayer among God's people. Does God hear the prayers of his people? Clearly in this text, he does. Prayers of the saints rise before him as incense. He hears from heaven when we cry to him. It isn't that God doesn't hear. It isn't that he doesn't so delight. It's that we don't go. Often falling into the trap of self-condemnation, he doesn't hear. The approach to the altar is for someone other than me. Does prayer really change anything? I've been praying this prayer for years. Beloved, if we can look past self, as we did in the day of our own redemption, look away, look away from self and unto the Lamb, so too can we do it in a manner of prayer. That my worthiness to be heard, that my prayer would be received as incense, isn't because of me and my worthiness. It's just like chapter 7. Because I'm clothed in blood-washed linens of the Lamb. So I am heard. And I am delivered. This is what, as we look at the activity of God in this text, it is in response to the prayers of His people. Prayer plays an important part, beloved, in the great decrees of God. It is the way in which He has saw fit to then act in time is by the prayers of His people. We have no, no, no manner in this text that says, well, God has already determined the end. He has already determined the divine vindication and the divine judgment. Therefore, prayer is washed. For who can turn God's hand back? It just is what it is. We don't affirm the sovereignty of God and then deny the power of prayer. It's not in this text. Beloved, this is the way in which God implements His sovereign judgments. By the prayers of his people. We cry out in his name. Act. How long, O Lord? Act in accordance with your holiness and your truth. Hear the prayers that are prompted in our soul for vindication. God hears the appeals of his people who remain upon the war-torn earth before the great day of wrath. This is the writer of Hebrews who then says, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And in so hearing the prayers of his people upon a war-torn earth of judgment, persecution, and distress, 
hearing their prayers rise to Him like incense from the altar. He then accordingly responds. Look at verse 5 in the response of the Lord to the prayers of His people. Then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar. This is proceeding the incense of the prayers of the saints. Proceeding from the angel then acts in coordination with God's hearing of the prayers of his people. He took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it on the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and there was a great earthquake. The activity of the angel to throw the fire upon the earth that then ushers in the next move of judgment is God's response to the plight of his people. God is now roused from his holy habitation and the earth is now the place of his appearance. Will God come in judgment? Yes. And are there multiple options for those in that great day? No. One is either blood washed in the Lamb or one is defiant against Him and has spurned the Son of God. And the Lord will take vengeance upon all who pierced Him. I'm going to read for you this account. If you wish to jot this down, you can. You don't need to turn there as I just conclude in my reading for just a moment further. Isaiah 24, verse 18. For the windows of heaven are opened. You see, this is Romans or Revelation 8. Windows of heaven are opened and the foundations of the earth begin to tremble. The earth is utterly broken. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The angel, after the prayers of God, rising for judgment and vindication, filled the censer with fire and threw it upon the earth. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways back and forth like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it and it falls. The earth will not rise again. On that day the Lord will punish the host of heaven in heaven, the kings of the earth on the earth. They will gather together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up into a prison, and after many days they will be punished. The moon will be confounded, and the sun will be ashamed. For the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and Jerusalem 
and his glory will be before his elders. This is the apocalypse. Writer of Hebrews would exhort us this way. As I would join with you. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. As that which will break the heavenly silence, a day of great judgment, and wrath poured out in a day of vindication, just as I was there in my holy hush, my foreshadowing event in silence, awaiting what I knew justly was mine. So to the officers that evening, they were not fearful of my dad's arrival. For they were on the right side of the law. Transgression was not theirs. So too I submit to you, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Be reconciled to God by looking away from yourself and unto the Lamb. Repent of your sinning. Come to the end of your efforts. And look to Jesus. And so be saved. But if that day does so come upon you, you will welcome it as the prayers that rise before him. Not begging him to speak in some manner to just bring about the ultimate judgment. Let all flesh be silent before the Lord. Let us pray. Our God, We exalt you, yet with fear and trembling, we do speak of your judgment. There's a way in which my mind cannot even comprehend the scope of judgment being explained. The thought that this earth upon which I stand now will be shaken with a gale. It will be split and torn. It'll be as a fig leaf losing all of its figs. The sky will vanquish and every island will be removed. The sea, justice being meet out upon every individual. I cannot, I confess, even though I challenge your church, I cannot wrap my mind around it. By faith we submit to your word. Knowing your holiness, our sinfulness, and the exaltation of of the righteous worthy lamb in him we hide this day dressed in his righteousness alone faultless dear father on that day to stand before your throne oh God let one who would be here hear the cry and call of the gospel and repent Exchange filthy rags for righteousness and beckon the day of the Lord's coming. For you say in the book of Revelation, 
your church does just that because they are not scared. They are longing for your coming for we have been reconciled. We don't await in the precinct of life fearful of the Father's judgment. We beckon him come for we are found in him. So Lord, let each this morning consider their being found in him. Christ, we exalt you for you have made it worthy justification by faith alone we exalt you our dear God thank you spirit for applying this word to our hearts this morning for each one continue to do so with ever deepening power upon the soul for insight forgiveness redemption and joy we do love you and exalt you our father the son of worthiness the spirit in power Christ Jesus' worthy name we then pray Amen